Amen. He is risen. He has risen indeed. You know, today is Easter Sunday, and uh, a day that represents many things to many different people. And for some, it signals the beginning of what we might call vacation season. For others, it seems to be a day that's consumed with bunnies and eggs and new clothes. And some folks, they just choose to ignore Easter altogether. You know, they simply refuse to believe or even acknowledge that this glorious day of celebration and remembrance that we so much enjoy. But for the Christian, for the one who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, today is a day that we set apart to celebrate the abundance that we have in Jesus Christ. See, it's a day that reminds us of his resurrection from the grave and the hope that we have through him. See, because Christ Jesus lives, we too have the hope of eternal life. See, if Jesus had not risen, if he had not risen from the grave, there would be no hope of life beyond the grave. But the fact that he did rise means that we have hope beyond the grave. So Easter is a a day of hope. But even on this special day, we may be dealing with some of the same emotions as those who were there that day. Allow me to give you just a little bit of context before we get into our scripture Last week, we talked some about the the triumphal entry when Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem and his disciples were going to make him uh, the king. You know, they wanted to make him king. And and, and you have his his friends had been on such an emotional roller coaster ride since that day. I mean, they were way up here celebrating the fact that he was going to be coronated as king. And then Thursday, you remember Passover began on Thursday, and and you may remember what a wonderful, sweet time they had in the upper room, sharing as disciples, sharing with Jesus the Passover, and then he washed their feet. And after that, things began to move at a super crazy pace. I mean, they climbed the Mount of Olives and they, they, they actually fell asleep there from exhaustion as Jesus prayed in the garden, praying God's will. And they were shocked into reality by the torches and by the temple guard that came and took their leader, took their Lord, and they arrested him. For what? What did he do? They arrested him. And then the accusations from the authorities. And then the beating started. And the fear that they might be next. And then came the denials. See, in the middle of the blatant legal irregularity, the illegitimacies, the outright lies, the bold betrayal, the corruption, a Roman procurator allowed Jesus, for no cause under the law, 
to be executed as a criminal by being nailed to the cross. By crucifixion. And as he hung there, the horrible insults. If it wasn't bad enough, the horrible insults that they, they, they shouted at him as he died on the cross. But what was the strangest of all? The one they called Lord died so quickly. And everything, it all happened so quickly. One moment we're, we're bringing him into Jerusalem and we're going to crown him king and the next minute he's hanging on a cross and he's dead. What happened? What about the burial? I mean, it had gotten so late by the time they got to the, the, the body, to the, to the tomb. The Sabbath was beginning and there was little to no time to prepare uh, to, to make the body ready. So they would have to wait until the Sabbath ended in order to anoint the body. And on Sabbath, the deep darkness of loss hit his friends. It hit everyone. You know, Jesus himself had raised people from the dead. But he could not. Like, how did he die himself then? How is it possible? And by the time we reach Luke 24, which is where our text is this morning, the morning of the, the first day of the week, it's puzzling. And their hearts are desolate. Their hearts are hopeless. The women are completely confused at this point. Nothing has gone according to plan. Don't you hate that when things don't go according to plan? We get frustrated. We get confused. All the men were in hiding because they thought they might be next to be crucified. You know, the women, they got up early to go and tend to the body of Jesus. Thank God for ladies. You know, my wife is a morning person. She gets up really early. I said, don't wake me up. Just go about your day. Do what you need to do. Quarter to five is too early for me. You know, somebody said there's two kinds of people in the world. Those that wake up and say, good, good morning, Lord. And others that wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. You know, one huge advantage of getting up early is you get to watch the day turn from night to the bright, and it's also lighter so you can get more done. But I want to submit to you that the women of the first century had to be morning people. I mean, Luke gives an account here of the resurrection of Jesus in Luke 24. I want to read a few verses. We're just going to kind of camp out here this morning on these 12 verses in in Luke chapter 24. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. It says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Loving Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that as we look at your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, reveal to us the truth of your word. Father, we recognize that 
that the Bible is your word. It is your truth, Father. And it, Father, it is, it is absolute truth. And as we recognize that, Father, we believe what your word says. Guide us as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. See, I want to submit to you this morning that we have the witness of the, the women here. In this passage, we also have the witness of the angels. But thirdly, there's the witness of the disciples. When we're talking about the witness of the women, you know, with the, the enforced rest of the Sabbath over. These women returned early in the morning. Literally, it means deep dawn. Okay, so it was very early in the morning. They return as soon as, as daybreak, uh, daylight breaks. They come early to the tomb to prepare the Lord's bloody body. They come to anoint it. And however, these women have a very big problem. There's no body. They show up at the tomb. There's no stone there either, at least not at the entrance. And as the women arrive, they discover that the stone's been rolled away and that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. <laughs> they came to anoint the body, but he's not there. What are they going to do? Verse 4 says, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. I mean, they were perplexed. And that literally means they were entirely at a loss. You ever been there? Really didn't know what to do? Kind of felt like, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. They were entirely at a loss. Their hearts were filled with despair, and it was as if all hope was gone. They were unable to anoint his body. They were unable to anoint his body for burial. Now, I recognize that you've probably not come bringing spices this morning. Although, most of you do smell good. But many of us, are living at the very least perplexed these days. All of the stuff that has happened to us over the last year, all of the things that are going on in our world, all of the, the stuff that is going on, we're, we're perplexed to say the least. We're entirely at a loss. I mean, you may be here today and your life has not turned out how you hoped it would. Maybe you're in the middle of some kind of fiery trial. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're in a financial situation. Maybe you're in a, 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 a spiritual situation. Maybe you're in an emotional situation and it seems like all hope is gone. And you feel that if there's no reason to go on, maybe you're contemplating giving up on your faith. Or maybe even life. You see, the despair sets in. The depression comes, the disappointment, and you may be contemplating doing that. Maybe you've tried to serve the Lord and live for Him, but it just seems like life gets more difficult the more you turn over to Him. Miserably, that may be the case for you today. Maybe you've heard the good news that Jesus rose from the grave 
And some of you may have placed your faith and trust in him. And somehow your faith has gotten shattered somehow with life, with all of the, the stuff coming in. Life become difficult. And rather than rejoicing in a risen Lord, you're resigned to defeat. All you see is an empty tomb rather than the risen Lord. You focused on death rather than life. See, we must look to Jesus. We must look to Jesus instead of our trials and our circumstances. He's the one. Look up. Lift your head. Look to Jesus. It says here in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And you know, this stone being rolled back maybe indicates tampering. Somebody has moved this stone. But a resurrected body does not need a stone to be rolled away. See, resurrected bodies, they, they transcend natural laws. And the stone was rolled away so that the women and the disciples could see inside. See, all four Gospels agree that women, that women first discovered the empty tomb. On Sunday morning, and even that they, the resurrected Jesus first appeared to women. I think this is huge. I think this is particularly striking since women were not considered reliable witnesses in first century Judaism. But understand this. Jesus is the greatest liberator of women who ever lived. Jesus is the greatest liberator of women who ever lived. He credited women with dignity. He credited them with equality where it counts. After all, he created them male and female. He gave them dignity and equality where it counts. The gospel writers call these women the primary witnesses to the empty tomb which is a very strong argument for the historical authenticity of both the resurrection accounts and the integrity of the biblical text. These women were the primary witnesses, and that means we can trust the historical claim of a bodily resurrection of Jesus. They showed up there with spices to anoint the body, and the body was gone. He's not here. He has risen. But we can also trust the integrity of the scriptural text being without error. So we have the witness of the women. We also notice that we have the witness of the angels. In verse 4 it says, Now while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. See, the only thing that these ladies found at the tomb were these two men, these two brilliant beings, 
that had incredible news about Jesus. I mean, what a shocking surprise when these Marys, <laughs> the weeping Marys, realize that these two calm angels are standing beside them with their clothes aglow, lightning, just like lightning, you know, relaying the news of incredible victory and redemption. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? <laughs> He's not here. He is risen. See, angels are often called men in the Old Testament because of their human-like appearance. They often appear glistening and in white clothing and you know, signs of purity, signs of holiness. But understand this, the women, they bowed their, their faces to the ground because they were terrified. They were terrified. They were terrified of these angelic beings it's a common response when people see angels. The shepherds in the field were terrified. These women were terrified. You know, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. You know, cemeteries and graves generally are not places that people enjoy visiting unless, of course, you're into genealogy or archaeology or looking for uh, history or maybe some family connections. Because tombs represent finality. They represent our mortality. And graves represent loss. And cemeteries represent death. We go there to bury those we love and to mourn. I mean, everyone knows that including those who buried Jesus after his crucifixion. They knew that. These women had come to anoint a dead body, and this was not a place of death. I mean, it was a place of life, a place of victory and triumph over death, over death because Jesus was alive. He came out of that grave. Our Lord was risen from the grave and he had conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he came back. He carried our sin, our shame on the cross. He defeated death and rose from the grave. And we have hope this morning because Jesus is a risen and living Lord. I mean, I've not come today to you with a heavy heart. I come to worship my Lord and thank him for providing me with forgiveness and with life. I mean, our Lord is no longer in the grave and we have not met here to remember the one who was, but we have met to worship one who is. He is alive. I love that. You know, and they continued, these angels continued, and it says, and they, um, they were saying, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And, and verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. These women remembered what Jesus had said. On the third day, I will rise again. But we also have the Witness of his disciples. Look at verse 9. 
It says they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now there were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. See, when the women came and they told the eleven, the apostles didn't believe them. But Peter, and we learn from other gospels that John also ran to the tomb to check for themselves. Luke says he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. I mean, the angels reminded the women of something that each gospel writer emphasized. Jesus told his disciples ahead of time that he would die and that he would come back to life. The disciples' unbelief arises partly due to the common view, I want to say, in that day of the women but more importantly to the strangeness of the report. I mean, the word for nonsense, the word for nonsense in Greek is a medical term for a babbling, the babbling of a fevered or insane mind. Some gibberish, something that you don't understand, something that makes no sense. Therefore, it's called nonsense. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they didn't believe them. This has the idea with it that they kept on in their unbelief. In other words, we're not going to be convinced no matter what you say. You know, the same is true in our day. There are those who refuse to believe. I mean, you might be here this morning and and, and you just will not believe the truth of God's word. I know you may find that the gospel is hard to receive. I mean, who would believe that the Son of God would give up the splendor of heaven, all of the wonderful thing of heaven, and come here to this earth as a man, as a person, as a human being, live a sinless life, and suffer the rejection, the shame, the cruelty at the hands of sinful men? And be crucified on a cross, willing to go and die, willing to go and die on a cross for our sins, to die there and then to raise again up out of that grave. Folks, it's something that we can only receive by faith. It is something we can only receive by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of our works, so that no one can boast. In ourselves, we cannot believe. But through the grace of our Lord, by faith, we can. See, Luke describes how puzzled the disciples were and how deep their despair was. And it was hitting them hard. Their Lord, whom they had followed for all of these years, 
what, three years on this earth, had died and was put into a tomb and sealed up in there. It was hitting him hard. These were not people scheming to to steal the body and claim that he had been raised. In John 20, it tells us that the grave clothes were laying on the side and the head covering had been taken down and folded and evidence that there was no rushing around to remove the body. Jesus arose and he neatly folded his burial coverings before he departed from the tomb. See, it would take some time. And Jesus' instructions after the resurrection to them to understand that the grave was not an interruption in the progress of his kingdom. The grave, instead, was the very key to his triumph and to his glory. You know, I read recently an account of a man whose young daughter had died, and it was devastating for the family. They were so devastated by that. But in her death, Easter took on a new importance. And the father said this, he said, until you stare death in the eye, till you look at death eye to eye, Easter is just a word. It's a nice day with bunny rabbits and eggs. But when someone so precious to you dies, Easter becomes everything. It's the anchor in the fierce storm. It's the rock that you stand on. It's a hope that raises you above despair and keeps you going because everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In our deepest, darkest moments, when we are grieving, when we do not think it can ever get better, the resurrection gives us hope that it can. When we are in the middle of day one, Or maybe day two, the resurrection gives us hope. That there is a day three and victory is coming. See, we understand this story and we understand the truth of God's word. But wrapping this up, one thing remains. One thing remains. There is one response to Jesus' death and resurrection that remains to be examined. And it is your response. I mean, maybe like the disciples. You know, you shake your head and you say, no, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Where do you stand today? Where do you stand? I mean, have you accepted the fact that Jesus lives? Or are you still in denial? You know, Peter. Peter had to come to terms with all of this. You remember Peter? He jumped up. And he ran to the tomb. 
He had to come to terms with it for himself. He had to view the empty tomb and decide for himself what he was going to believe. And the same is true for each one of us today. You must choose for yourself. I cannot choose for you what you will believe about the resurrection. You must choose for yourself what you will believe about Jesus Christ. You must decide what you will do with Jesus. I mean, just being in church today is not enough. You have to trust him as your Savior and your Lord. You do that by through prayer and inviting him into your heart, asking him to come in so that he too can abide within. And what happens is when you do that, it changes everything. You must decide what you will do with Jesus. Have you done that? Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. God, you are a great God, a mighty God. And Father, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead on that day will, will resurrect us, will raise us from that grave. And Father, what hope we have in you because of what you did in Jesus Christ, what you did for us as he died on the cross, as he paid the price for my sin, for our sins. What a blessing it is, Father. You give us life instead of death. You give us purpose. You give us peace. You give us love. You give us joy. It all comes from you. And apart from you, we can do nothing. But Father, I pray that right now that we would decide what to do with Jesus. Father, and that we would decide that what your word says is true. And that by grace, through faith, we would respond to Jesus this morning. Father, I pray for the salvation of the souls of men and women and sons and daughters. Father, I pray that we would choose today to make Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Guide us in this time of response. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.